Welcome to CSU Stories, the podcast where we tell the stories of the unique work of people in regional New South Wales and beyond. From Hollywood careers to amphibian specialists, we talk with CSU staff, students, alumni and members of our communities to share how our regions are shaping Australia and the world. I'm talking with Professor Ewan Lindsay today. Ewan is a founding professor of CSU Engineering and has previously been a visiting scholar at Virginia Tech. Ewan's passion for engineering goes well beyond solving problems. He believes engineering can make a real difference to the challenges we face in the world, whether it be about providing clean drinking water, contributing to sustainability, or connecting people through technology. Ewan, welcome to CSU Stories and thanks for speaking with me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Jessica. Wonderful. Now, I'm speaking to you about CSU's Emerging Engineering School, and from what I've read, Ewan, it's a school that sounds amazing. There's no formal exams and no formal lectures. Can you tell me a little bit about how CSU Engineering came into being? So the genesis of the program was a shortage of skilled engineers uh, working out in the regions, and CSU's footprint is largely regional New South Wales. And so what we found, we had a lot of civil engineering jobs that were unable to be filled, and the local communities approaching us saying, when are you going to teach engineering? When are you going to teach engineering? And so as a university whose mission is the public good, we said, all right, this is a problem that we need to help solve. But if you look in a large-scale sustainability piece, there's no point building a program that's a clone of everybody else's degree. If you're just like that other uni but without the beach, they may as well get their engineers from that other university that already has years of experience doing that. And so we found ourselves, we've got an identified need of, of a shortage of civil engineers willing and able to work in the regions, but also at a moment where there's a lot of changes in higher education. And so what we said is, well, let's build the next generation of engineering schools. And when you look at where higher ed is going, it's, it's not lectures and tutorials and exams. It's a lot more of a focus on practical, employable skills. And so given that these jobs that were going out in the regions don't require engineers to go and do exams and do formal lectures. They require them to practice as engineers. We made practice as engineers a core part of our program. So you need students that can collaborate and can work with others on projects and can look at a problem and figure out how to solve it together and that doesn't happen with a singular exam or sitting through a bunch of lectures I suppose. So where did you draw inspiration from in terms of designing the curriculum for CSU Engineering? We drew inspiration from all around the global engineering education community. There is actually quite an active community of scholars looking at how we train engineers around the world and, and what it is that the future of that kind of a, a process can be, particularly with the kinds of new technologies of, of online delivery and asynchronous delivery. And so when you've got engineers working in that space, you, you, we're not afraid of the technology. We're not afraid of saying, hey, we can automate this process because that's the kind of thing we do professionally as engineers. And so we've drawn upon ideas from all around the world. Aalborg University has a very strong problem-based learning approach and the first 18 months of our degree are three semesters of problem-based learning where our student engineers work on semester-long projects. Other universities, say Waterloo in Canada, have a very strong industry cadetship program where they spend one of every three semesters every year embedded in industry doing real work for real dollars helping real people. And so the, the four years that we end our program with are based on real placements 
and in real industry. And so we built that combined with a number of other places that are automating their approaches. It was the University of Hereford was where I first saw it, but there's other places out there now that are building these automated systems that can detect based on what the student types in automatically, whether or not they've got the right idea or whether they've missed a minus sign somewhere and are able to automate the feedback. So, so we drew from um, the Australian engineering education community, Europeans, um, the, the North Americans, there's a lot of scholars around the world looking at this problem and we were able to, to take the best ideas, the frontier ideas and build a program made out of what the next generation would be. So you're learning from all of the, I guess, scholarly and academic information that's come before you to build what MIT has named as one of the top emerging engineering schools in the world, which is an incredible achievement. And if I'm a student and I'm coming to CSU Engineering for the first time, what is that experience like? What do I see in my first week? How do I get immersed in the learning and the program? Well, I guess the first thing, Jessica, is that you wouldn't be an engineering student. You'd be a student engineer. And so we would treat you as an engineer in the student phase of your degree. And so we would come to it more with a junior colleague kind of paradigm rather than we're academics and you're here to, to learn from us. Our degree actually starts with a two-week long project called Engineering Challenge Zero because engineers like to start counting from zero. And that's where students make a Rube Goldberg machine. You may be familiar with Rube Goldberg machines. I'm actually not. Can you tell me what that is? So those are those incredibly complex solution to simple problems. You know, where the dominoes fall and they turn on the kettle and it boils the water and it blows up the balloon and that opens the budgie cage. Yes. And budgie. I yes. love those. Yeah, they're, they're, they're awesome fun. The, the beauty of them is that they're also incredibly accessible in that no matter what background you've come to us from, whether you've come out of a, a super nerd out of high school or you've come to us from a trade or you've come to us from the city, wherever, you're able to get in and grab that. And so we set the student engineers on the first morning of week one, the task of building one of those machines in 11 days because at three o'clock the next Thursday, we test the machine in front of a live audience. We invite their friends, we invite their family, we invite our friends, we invite a VIP to come and press the first domino. And so what that does is it introduces them to the fact that you don't get a nine week lazy head start when you enter industry, mm. you work. And you have to work together in teams. They work in teams of three working with each other to build one machine. So there's one outcome. You can't just stand around blaming another team because their sprinkler doesn't work. You've got to work together as a group for a shared outcome with a tangible deliverable against a timeline. And so it's very much straight away, you're responsible for delivering things. You have to learn. I mean, engineering is a team sport and people often just think of us as super nerds, but the reality is we make technology that helps people. Mm. The Rube Goldberg machine itself isn't actually helpful technology and that's why it's only two weeks long. Um, and mm. then we stop, go into challenge one, which is the Engineers Without Borders Challenge, which is a humanitarian engineering project and that runs for 14 weeks. But the very first two weeks is straight away, here's something that needs doing. It's got definite jeopardy because people will be here next Thursday to see what you do. You're going to be held accountable. You're accountable to each other. It's one project and you're all going to have to work together to deliver it. And that way of kickstarting them into getting something done, but also having a win two weeks in. It's like, yes, we did this. We achieved this. We belong here. And we found that a really powerful way to get that culture established really quickly. Well, it would very much build their confidence to be able to say, particularly in front of their family and an industry expert, here's what I've delivered or what we have delivered as a team in two weeks. And tell me a bit more about the Engineering Without Borders the 14-week program? So Engineers Without Borders is a humanitarian engineering organisation. There are 
centre counterparts in Medicines Sans Frontières, um, Doctors Without Borders. They do development work with communities all around the world um, who don't have the same kind of access to engineering resources that we do here in the Western civilised societies. They do a lot of outreach with communities around the world who don't have the access to engineering resources like we do here in Western societies. What they do is every year they pick one of the partners that they work with around the world and they build a scenario out of it. And so they say, all right, this is the Mayukwa Yukwa refugee camp in Zambia. They have all of these sorts of issues around in their camp. They're, they're growing. They've doubled in population over the past five years. These are the challenges they have. How can we use engineering to improve the quality of life for the people in this camp? Where this challenge is really powerful is it's a design exercise for basically every first year engineering student around the country. All of the 39 Australian universities partner with EWB, we use this challenge in our first year design. That's really useful because it's a great realistic authentic project and you can get people to think about engineering and actually, because good engineering is about people, engineering the technology should be improving people's lives and it's a great context for that. Where it's really powerful that we found is it then steps up in jeopardy in that the best submissions from each university are invited to be assessed by a state judging panel and then the best ones there are invited to go to a national showcase in December where they bring representatives of the community. And so if of the 8,000 first year engineering students that have done this, if you're one of the top 100, you're going to get to pitch your idea to someone who's actually living that scenario. And so our context, I say the Mayuko Yuko one, that was the 2016 context. Our student engineers came up with a recycling drum that could address malnutrition, compost waste and the excess drum supply that they had in the camp. And they, when they had come up with a solution, pitched it to the audience, pitched it to the actual UNHCR who were running the camp and the EWB representatives, they were the national grand champions for 2016, which was a really impressive achievement for the first year of the program. And so you've got a context that goes from we're just here in the building, we've got an authentic challenge, through to this is a technology that might actually get built and used in the real world to improve people's lives. And that focus is where we want to have our student engineers thinking, not how do I get these marbles to run down this piece of perspex. That's incredibly powerful. And again, to have first year students be presenting to the UNHCR, to be winning grand challenges like that, to be, I guess, moulding minds that are going to be looking to solve problems, to make people's lives better, is quite different from, I suppose, your average impression of, of going to engineering school and sitting through lectures and learning a whole lot of, of maths and, and that sort of thing. So after 18 months with CSU Engineering, what are the student engineers like? What are the differences in the way they think and work together compared to, for example, a traditional learning student? So after they've done three semesters with us, that 18 month mark, they move out into industry on placement as cadets. And the feedback we get from our host organisation is that our cadet engineers feel like other people's graduates. And the main reason that we believe this is, is they've got that understanding that good engineering is about people and that they're aware of the decisions that they make will have impacts on people. And so that can be part of a philosophy of how you think about it. But there's also a very pragmatic sense that if you're not actually thinking about the users of the technology, you may solve completely the wrong problem when you go about designing something. And so by actually thinking who's going to be using this and in what context are they going to be using it and how are they going to engage with it, you're really getting into the focus of making sure that the engineering that you do solves the problem that needs to be solved, not the problem you're used to from the tutorial questions that you did at uni. And I think that that awareness of what's the actual purpose for, I think the other really powerful piece is that they're resilient to pressure and change. 
is that because we've given them authentic semester-long projects that are open-ended, so there's no one correct solution to the projects that we give them while they're here as student engineers. It means that they're open to multiple possibilities. So they're not just trying to divine what the one correct solution is and reproduce that to make a lecturer happy. They're looking at saying there's many, many correct solutions. The correct solution may evolve over time as we learn more about the project. The client may change their mind, change the context, budget shift, timeline shift, people shift. So they're, they're aware that, that engineering is an evolving, growing profession and that the, the right answer isn't immediately obvious and you've got to define it properly to work out what the right answer is. It's almost like when they come through the CSU engineering program, they develop all of these skills that normally university graduates will develop in their first couple of years in the workplace. That resilience, that resistance to pressure, the ability to be flexible and adaptable. Most traditional learning programs, I would think, it's very much as you said, you're trying to get the right answer for the lecturer at the time and it's very structured and then you go into a workplace and it's all different. Whereas in this program, they're learning those skills from day one and they're becoming comfortable with ambiguity, which makes them far more effective in the workplace even while they're still cadets and even while they're still in the program. Absolutely, we're very proud of the work that the student engineers do and one, while they're out on placement they're building portfolios of the work that they do to bring back to us to show the capabilities that they're developing and so when we read the things that they're doing and the way they are improving people's lives it's really impressive to think that's actually had a contribution that that difference there, that that water treatment plant that you've built has actually improved the quality of water for that community. Like the world is a better place because of what our engineers are doing. Going back to the original genesis of the program, these are problems that haven't been able to be solved because we haven't had the qualified civil engineers out here in the region. We've had these empty chairs. And so being able to say this problem that, that's been there and hasn't been able to get to it, and now one of our cadet engineers has got the skill base to make a contribution and improve these people's lives, that's a, a really powerful feeling and a really powerful achievement for a program as young as ours. Ewan, our conversation has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for your time today. And I look Look forward to speaking with you again in the future. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to sharing all of our CSU stories with you. For more information on CSU stories, go to news.csu.edu.au.